are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Depression Session on 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio Jerry Bradley. He is a 30-year retired military veteran who in 2007 was injured in Iraq. Jerry has written a book of poetry called Two Steps Forward and One Step Back. We'll be right back with Jerry, but let's first talk about anger. I have been feeling angry, very, very angry. I am someone who generally is easygoing. And and I don't know if it relates to depression or not, but usually I'm, I'm pretty empathetic about people and their circumstances. A friend said the other evening, because I was telling her that there are times when if I really am pushed, I'll get angry and say something really mean. And she said, oh, I'm glad to hear that. And I said, what? I feel terrible when I do it. She said, no, you're you're just really open to everyone's experience and whatever's going on with them. You're, you're understanding about it and empathetic. And I actually am glad to hear you can stand up for yourself if you need to. And it's true. I, I'm, I'm, I don't perceive myself as like this, you know, super, super nice person. Somebody was saying, you're just so nice. I don't really think of myself that way because there are many times when I am upset or angry and I don't know. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm surprised when people have, when you find out someone's perception of you, it's always a little bit disconcerting. And I've, over the years, people have told me things that make it clear that, that my, that the, what I'm projecting out in the world is like this super nice, nice person. I am kind I'm not always nice. <laughs> I'm pretty empathetic, but I'm not always nice. So lately I've been feeling a lot of anger and I I know part of it is being overwhelmed with too many things to do. Part of it might be related to anxiety. Maybe it's a repercussion of not being depressed is somebody told me once that depression was suppressing your emotions and maybe I'm just done suppressing my emotions. So I've been walking around feeling a little bit like a monster, just like, ah, you know, I just, I've, I am short tempered and I don't, I don't think that most people would feel it or notice it because in general, I don't say a lot when I'm angry. And so, and I, I don't let myself get angry with people who are, are that I don't know as well. You know, I, with my students, I very rare, I don't think I've, I've hardly ever been angry with a student or a colleague, but with the people who are really close to me, when I'm under a bunch of stress, the people who are dearest to me and most deserve kindness and most deserve for me to be nice to them are the ones that I struggle with when I am under pressure. And the anger, I think it's really old. I think it's got nothing to do with what's happening right now. I think it's very old, burning deep, deep at the center of me. 
is anger over things in my childhood that just weren't fair. Mainly having an awful lot of of responsibility around age 11. My family fell apart. My dad's alcoholism had taken him over and somebody had to keep things together and I felt like it should be me. And so I took on responsibility for for keeping things nice and for doing laundry and cooking dinner. I became a latchkey kid and protecting my mother from my dad's anger. Even when he was out of the house, he was just, he wasn't a bad guy. He just had a problem with alcoholism. But I felt like I had to take on a bunch of responsibilities that were adult, both emotionally and physically at a really young age. And I think I'm still feel gypped. I'm angry. (laughs) I feel angry about it. And I don't think it's a bad thing if I let myself express it in healthy ways. I think we all get angry. There are things that justifiably anger you. And maybe it's true, suppressing those feelings so for so long are part of the reason I end up depressed. I don't know that that's true. But I do feel that I need an outlet. Going to the gym helps, but I don't have time to go to the gym right now. You know, working on artwork can help. But right now I'm just walking around going, I can't get everything done. So I'm going to try to relax, have a nice week. Uh, Going to France with my mom, which I'm really, really excited about. And she said, you know, in some ways I wish we weren't because it seems like it's another stressor to travel. And wouldn't it be nice if you just took a break here? Well, it wouldn't because I would be working on stuff. It wouldn't be a break. In France, no one can call me. In France, I have no responsibilities. I went there last summer to the same place. It's up in a mountain with about 35 people in town, La Muse. It's a wonderful artist and writer's retreat. And I'm going there with my mom to spend some time with her when I am relaxed and not angry, on vacation, inaccessible to the modern world in a medieval house. I'm really looking forward to it. I wish I could bring you all with me. Hello and welcome to the Depression Session on 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Today we have with us studio Jerry Bradley. Jerry is a 30-year retired military veteran who in 2007 was injured in Iraq. He has written a book of poetry called Two Steps Forward and One Step Back. Hi, Jerry. Welcome to the Depression Session. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today. So what's new with you? What are you up to? What are you in Tucson for? I'm here to visit with some friends. I was also here to, I uh, was trying to get into the Tucson Book Festival, but I applied a little bit too late. Uh, which, which that's okay. That's to be expected. I know how that works to get in, but I still want to. I, I still want to go to the book festival and see it. And I, I really want to, without going into detail, really haven't seen these friends in forever. I have been doing a little better physically, so it's kind of well. I may not get a chance to do this again if I don't. If I don't do it now, and uh, I have some friends I want to see in California, and then see my sister, and then go back to uh, North Carolina. And that's, you know, that sounds like quite an adventure. It's the first time I've done anything like this in over 10 years. Wow. So it's the first time I think I've been physically capable of doing something like this in over 10 years. It's funny because uh, timing-wise, my mom, you said you'd listen to the episode with me and my mom. She's visiting, and we are going on a trip together. 
And we'd always take a little mom-daughter trip every year. She comes to visit and we go somewhere. But this year, it occurred to me, she's, she's 74. She's in good health. And I'm in good health. And my depression is doing well. And her depression is doing well. If there was ever a year to go do something crazy and different, we should do it now because you never know. You never know. Like, just just go. Just go and have an adventure. It's a little expensive and it's a little bit kooky and we don't have very much time. We're just going to go on spring break and go to France. <laughs> so I relate to your adventure. <laughs> yes, my a little off topic, but my daughter and my daughter Bethany and my wife Laura, they went on a vacation last year that included England and uh, my son was stationed in England and to visit with them. And they went to Italy and um, Germany and but some of that was almost old times for them going to places where we had been right uh, as a military family though so they did go to Scotland which was was unique none of us had ever been to Scotland oh. so uh, they did do that and they they really enjoyed that but i've been very fortunate cuz my immediate family especially being in a military or being a military family my immediate family is very close to me close around yeah. me uh, that doesn't happen it's very, very often. Well, so you were inspired to take this trip. Was the book fair, you just found out about it along the way, sort of? Yeah, actually, no, the, the, the trip isn't about the book fair. Okay. Uh, the trip is about coming to see some friends and that are here. Uh, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. I want to see Jennifer Scott. Uh, she and I have worked together, and, you know, Jennifer and I, we've kind of become depression buddies, which it's way too long a story for me to tell you how we even connected. It had to do with writing and through other friends. I had no idea that Jennifer Scott, who did, you know, uh, Eyes Upon Walking and all kind of films and TV stuff, was who I was talking with. And that didn't come until a little later. I do find that it's comforting to have other people who understand where you are with things. Even family members, unless they themselves have depression. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've had TBI and PTSD and TBI, traumatic brain injury, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression. It looked like the diagnosis was coming one after the other. And mm -hmm. uh, to a certain extent... The military was very kind to me because they didn't put me out under medical. They allowed me to have a waiver because mm. I wanted to do 30 years. And by the time the medical evaluation board would have finished, I would have been like four months away. Oh, right. So I retired in 2007. But it, it is difficult. And it is, it is nice to have someone else you can talk with and someone else, too, that enjoys some of what you enjoy. But, for example, Jennifer enjoys writing. And right. I enjoy writing. Writing's kind of became my go-to. I, I get the biggest tickle out of how so many people will tell you that writing can help. But there's nobody out there that's going to say, and this is how you do it. Right. <laughs> go, 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 yeah, write. Figure it out for yourself. I even have a friend that I got to know. He teaches at the Wounded Warrior Battalion. He's a psychologist there. And they do journaling. And one of the things about journaling that people have to be careful about not so much the ones that have done it all their lives, mm -hmm. but the ones where they say, here, journal, it's good for you. And, and to a certain extent, it's good because that's where the anger goes and that's mm -hmm. where the frustration can go and, and so forth. 
But the danger about journaling like that is that you've got you've got to journal about everything, the good and the bad. Because what happens is after 30 days or so or a few months or whatever, they go if they're just writing everything down that's bad and and how life well, how life sucks, then they go back and they start looking through it. It it almost reinforces Yes, it really does. It my life is awful. That's because it's focusing on the negative and none of the positives getting in there. So journaling needs to be done correctly. Now, the thing I like about writing, like with poetry, I call it two step. The book's called Two Steps Forward, One Step Back. But kind of the thought process there is, is that when you sit down, and I'm not. This is not a a negative on counselors or therapists or psychologists or psychiatrists. But when you're sitting with them for that half hour or hour period, they're trying to pull as much out of you as absolutely possible because, well, they might not see you for another two weeks or a month Mm. or what have you. So they're trying to bring it all up and get it all out as fast as possible. And for a lot of people, that's very emotionally overwhelming versus with writing. If you're writing about it, whatever it is, even if the it is the pain or the depression itself and it becomes overwhelming take a step back you're moving forward but if you need to stop and and take a step back you can well on on that note jerry tell us the story of your depression let me go at it from this direction because it's it's multifaceted we talk a lot about when i was deployed in iraq and i got injured but you know i've been deployed many 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 times as so so many of our military people and to a certain extent, it's a, a, a cumulative effect. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised when people get surprised about the veterans that are coming back. And qualify that here in just a second uh, with other people as well. But with the veterans that are coming back and having PTSD or depression or anger, or they've changed. And I, I kind of look at it from a different perspective. If they've actually been involved in combat and they've seen death and they've seen killing or been a part of, would you not expect it to affect them? And if it didn't affect them, wouldn't that be scary? Wouldn't that be more like serious mental issues if it didn't affect them? I focused a lot on the veterans and the military. And one of the things I said in Two Steps Forward, it was written, Two Steps Forward, One Step Back, in the book, it was written primarily for veterans. But... I think it really can, and most of it can really apply to anyone who's been through a traumatic event. We also, when we talk about depression, we, especially if that's associated with anything else like pain, we get really surprised when people's depression increases when they're giving, given a lot of medication, especially uh, the opioids or the depressants. So do we not expect someone's depression to get worse when they're being given a lot of depressants? But in our medical community, our mental health and our physical health or our physical doctors aren't really connected at the hip. And what does it say? If you're having these effects, tell your doctor. So you tell your doctor and they say, well, you need to see a psychologist or psychiatrist. Get counseling because you need this medication. We can try a different type, but it's still within the same family. It's so multifaceted. 
There's no one thing we can put your finger on and say, this person has depression. And there's been a lot of misdiagnosis that, uh, in my research. Like, for example, one of the things they found is that a lot of people that's been diagnosed with PTSD may actually have a TBI because the symptoms are very similar. Or you might have PTSD and TBI. When you come back, the initial is, okay, you have PTSD. And yes, you do. But because the symptoms are similar, you might have overlooked the TBI, the traumatic brain injury. I kind of think about that sometimes and say, gosh, that was kind of stupid, you know. I mean, I'm not putting down my doctors because, you know, they're overwhelmed, especially the time I got injured. There was a lot of people being injured. And the medical community was really overwhelmed. But I'm going, okay, well, if I... If I cracked a couple of vertebrae and pushed three discs out of place, so and I also cracked a, a vertebrae in my lower back, lumbar area, wouldn't you think that maybe since it was up that high that there might have been some TBI with it? it you know, it, it's such a big machine and they're so overwhelmed at times. And you see the same thing happening within the VA. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to get into an, a big argument in defense or against the VA and what's going on. We, we, we know that the VA has been having problems. But I will also tell you that the bureaucracy within the VA and, and just hiring doctors is unbelievable. By the time a doctor can get cleared to go to work at the VA, many of them couldn't wait that long. I mean, we're talking six, eight months or more, some over a year to get the clearance and everything they need to be able to work in the VA. Uh, they have student loans and things they've got to pay. they got to have a job, so they're going to go work someplace else. And I know in Fayetteville, the mental, mental health was woefully understaffed, and they were working really hard to stay staffed. But when they're understaffed, they, then they themselves become overwhelmed. And there's something that's been happening here as of late is that your counselors are taking on so much they're, they're, what is it called, secondary PTSD? And we're finding more of that too, secondary PTSD, within the spousal community of the veterans and so forth. And it's a, it's, it's a really big, complicated issue. And there's so many moving factors in there. And, and I know so many people want to do right by the people. Getting back to some of the clarification, when we talk about the civilians versus the military on the other side of that coin, is it really any different if, yes, there is some difference when you're in combat. On the other side of that coin, if you're the mother of the child that was in the vehicle with you when you had a major car accident and you sustained TBI and you lost your daughter or son or your child who was killed in, in that accident, and everything comes crashing down on you, you know, they're going through the same thing. Okay, now you've got injuries and pain, and here's the depressant medication. Oh, you're depressed even more? I wonder why. It's just so much of that, and I've heard story after story after story. One of the things that's happened recently, I was telling you earlier, Stephanie Limbaugh Mason, she she, uh, has been posting my poetry on her Facebook page, and a lot of people have been contacting me because of that, trying to get a, a paperback copy. A lot of people still like paperbacks versus electronics. And I actually dropped the electronic prices because I'm, I'm hearing back from people telling me how that it's helped them. On the other side of the coin, I'm getting their stories with it. 
it, I didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. And some of these stories are just heart-wrenching and so sad. The mom whose son has, you know, 17 skull fractures and was in this accident and the naval weapons officer who was killed and the mother and two children just moved to Texas and they're trying to regroup and get their life back in order and there's so much trauma and she's she's suffering with depression while trying to take care of her kids and while trying to keep a good face and trying to be strong. I did not expect that to happen. Uh, and Jennifer, going back, talking about Jennifer, Jennifer's been such a big supporter uh, and encouraging, you know, writing and moving forward. Kind of getting back to that, it really does make a big difference when you have someone that kind of understands and someone you can really kind of talk about anything and they look at it through those eyes of where you're at because they're at the same place. Uh, and so when you may, you're so you're so close to the situation, sometimes you can't see it. It was the old saying you can't see the forest because of the trees. Uh, so I think it's I think it's very important that there are groups and there are people that make those connections. Uh, you know, your brain's like a computer to a certain extent. The, the the more programs you have open and running at the same time, the, the the harder it is for it to function. You know, and as my pain level goes up, the you know, which I didn't understand that at first, I couldn't figure out why I was having tr- I would have trouble talking when my pain level went up. And you know, how does the brain work? And the brain's fascinating. And one of the things we found too is uh, that I found in in working and and with my neurologist. Uh, who, believe it or not, my neurologist has a second degree in poetry. Hmm. I didn't, I did not know that for years. And as I was discussing, and he said, you know, one of the things he thinks has happened to a certain extent is that, that those neural pathways become stronger, you know, between the right side, the creative side, and the left side, the logic side. You know, for people that are older, like us, whose brains have stopped developing, recovering from brain injury isn't as easy. Not that it's easy at any point in time, but when you're younger and your brain's developing, the brain can develop those neural pathways. Well, it's kind of the, the or, or restructure and work around neural pathways. Mm. But when they've been established, it's harder. But a lot of people don't realize there are the neural pathways between the right, the creative side and the logic side that's been established. We had them when we were kids. We had that imagination when we were children. And if you start using that, they become stronger. Just like any exercise, the more you do it, the stronger you're going to get at it. And he says he watched my brain and he watched the way I developed in writing uh, as I went through it over the years and um, how it became easier and easier and easier because that the neural pathways were opening up and you were constantly making that connection. And I, 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 I think writing, for me, has been a godsend. Mm. It really has. And uh, the other godsend has been Botox. I was lucky enough to get in on a test program where they were doing deep tissue Botox as treatment uh, for um, the type of injuries. Because basically what's happening is my, my, from my injuries, it's continuously sending the message for my muscles to spasm. And they spasm so hard that they tear. Well, if you put Botox in those areas, then it keeps that from happening. 
happening and they're being using Botox for chronic headaches now and uh, MS treatment and and uh, I was very lucky to be able to get because that's enabled me to back down on some of the medications so I'm not completely a zombie all the time still taking meds but not like 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 we were you know, I'm still taking uh, the the um, Dilatin and Valium and stuff, but it was, I mean, the dosage is way down and not heavy like it was. Well, thanks so much for your story. I find so much of it really fascinating because when you start talking about the brain, it is complex in the brain and body connection. Like, we don't really, I think, this is my theory, doctors do not know they're making a good guess when it comes to brain chemistry, when it comes to injuries, when it comes to our bodies, there are things that they understand. And a lot of things are just each body's so different, just figuring out, okay, what will make this one work? So it's sort of fascinating. You're, you're at a, an interesting time in history <laughs> to be, to be, have, have had a major injury like that. Well, I think that uh, anything that will focus your mind helps uh, now, I, I will admit that if I have a massive headache, I can't write. Yeah, it doesn't work. Right. If you can't, if you can't see to write or you can't, you know, folk, that, that doesn't work. But, uh, I have, I have noticed that if I'm in pain and I'm writing, I will be in less pain because your mind's focusing on the writing. And that's really true for whatever art, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's writing or painting or anything that's going to focus your mind. And I think by doing something that will also stimulate the right side, the artistic side, also helps mm-hmm. pull because that'll function a little stronger, and uh, you'll you'll focus a little more. So I really, really, really do endorse any art, whether it's writing, literary art, or painting, or uh, something that's working with your hands. And it's some, the, the, the thing I like about art is it's something you can keep going to. Mm-hmm. There's been so many programs that have come out where, okay, we're going to take you on horseback riding or we're going to take you on walking or fishing trips and we're going to do things that will focus your mind, but that's so short-lived mm-hmm. versus uh, art you can go to over and over and over again when you need to and it, it will help you. I like writing, though, because no matter who you are, Writing is a part of your history. If nothing else, a, a history of you as the writer. I remember finding a book of what I thought were songs many years ago. And I went to my mom and I asked, I said, where do this, these songs come from? She said, they're not songs, they're poems. And I wrote them. And, and I was just absolutely amazed because this hard, stern, forceful woman wrote these beautiful, loving, caring poems. Uh, it just it, it just blew me away. So I guess writing has been within my family, but still, I, I, I like writing because, well, maybe I like writing because I can do it a lot easier than, because <laughs> I'm not a painter. I don't paint. I'm not, I'm not good at some, <laughs> a lot of the other art. I used to play music, but I, my left hand doesn't work so well, very, very well anymore. I mean, I've done other writing too. I had a play that was done off had a stage reading off broadway and that's one of the things where jennifer and i kind of connected but in 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 other forms but i like poetry because it gives you the most punch the most effect for your buck you get the most 
connection in the fewest amount of words in the smallest space. You know, you can say something in a poem that it would take a whole chapter of a book to say. Well, on that note, thank you so much for being on the Depression Session. Well, you're, you're more than welcome, and I appreciate you having me. If we don't work together to make things happen, we'll just keep taking steps back. My daddy used to say, and my daddy was one of those people who had a hundred sayings all the time, <laughs> always ready. You've got to keep moving forward in the road of life because if you stand still, you will surely go nowhere. When, when depression kicks in, we kind of want to stand still, mm -hmm. but you know, you, you can't. Right. Because, well, you're not going to go anywhere if you're standing still. You got to keep moving down. And that's the struggle. Even if you have to take that step back every now and then keep taking those steps forward. So thank Just, you very much. Thank I you. appreciate it. Thank you. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septa Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you. You're listening to KTDTLP Tucson, Downtown Radio 99.1 FM.